praise God. First Samuel chapter 18, if you have your Bibles this evening. First Samuel chapter 18, and we just want to say welcome tonight. If you are a guest with us here at the Potter's House, we so appreciate you joining us this evening. By way of introduction, during the time of the European medieval night, the Mongolian archer was the fear of the battlefield. These Mongolian archers, they were known to be experts with the composite bow, the recurve bow, and the long bow. These archers were trained to shoot both left-handed and right-handed, to be able to shoot while walking, while running, and even while riding a horse at full gallop. Some of these ancient battlefields against these feared archers were said to have had knights with arrows through the eye slit of their visors because they were experts. And so in that, the Mongolian archer knew the accelerated damage that could be caused by one arrow to the eye versus trying any other opening in their armor. I use that as a way of introduction and illustration because... In the passage that we're going to look at tonight, a man's entire future and destiny is altered, as our scripture says, by one bad eye. And I want to look at 1 Samuel chapter 18, verses 6 through 15. We're going to look at a man by the name of Saul and his life. It says these words, As they were coming home, when David returned from striking down the Philistines, the women came out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with songs of joy and with musical instruments, and the women sang to one another as they celebrated. Saul has struck down his thousands, and David his ten thousands. And Saul was angry, and this saying displeased him. He said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed thousands. What more can he have but the kingdom? Verse 9, and Saul eyed David from that day on. Verse 10, the next day a harmful spirit from God rushed upon Saul, and he raved within his house while David was playing the lyre, as he did day by day. Saul had his spear in hand, and Saul hurled the spear, for he thought, I will pin David to the wall. But David evaded him twice. Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him but had departed from Saul. So Saul removed him from his presence and made him commander of a thousand. And he went out and came in before the people and David had success in all of his undertakings for the Lord was with him. And when Saul saw that he had great success... He stood in fearful awe of David, guarding your eyes. Let's talk first and lay a foundation. Let's talk about the eye. The eye tonight, the Bible teaches us, it is a gateway into a person's life. Beyond just sight and what we see, the eye... As Jesus points out, it gives access into a person's life. 
The eye is the access point to someone's mind. The eye is an access point to the heart of a person. Even science would teach us that of all the information we take in and process every single day, 80% of that information is filtered through our eyes. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verses 22 through 23, that the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness here, Jesus is emphasizing, as I said, the gateway to the mind, the gateway to the heart, the, a gateway many times to our emotions. What we allow in is either going to be light and righteousness, bringing health and edification to you, or it will be darkness bringing sin. How great is that Darkness, Jesus asks. First John 2 and verse 16, For all that is in the world, the desire of the flesh, the desire of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. Again, we're talking about the eye as a gateway here in First John. Desires of the eye. In other words, your eye can develop appetites. Your eye is what you give it to, what you focus on, what you look at, the things that you are taking in. It's forming a desire. There are sometimes people, I just, Pastor, I'm just uh, struggling. I'm just not uh, growing. I'm, I'm, I feel God is far. And you begin to ask some questions. Well, what are you giving yourself to? How is your prayer life? How is your Bible reading? It's not there. Well, what are you giving yourself to? Because what you give yourself to, you will get an appetite for it. The eye can develop an appetite for things. Lastly, Matthew 18, 19, if your eye causes you to sin, Jesus says, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into the hell of fire. Here, Jesus points out our eyes. Our eyes can lead us into sin. Our eyes and what we're focusing on and what we're giving them to, if left unguarded, will draw you into sin. So all of this points to the emphasis of the importance of the eye. Because our eyes determine three things. Number one, it determines perspective. Perspective. This is how we filter life, how we filter life's situations, how we see and filter life's circumstances, setbacks, even how we filter blessing. This comes back to pers perspective. And as events happen in life, we develop an attitude and a response, but how you are seeing it influences how you work it through. Our eyes are connected to that. Secondly, our eyes determine vision. Again, not just sight, the physical idea of sight, but 
the vision of where we are headed in life. The vision of the direction that we are going to go. We set a course for life many times based on what we're seeing. How, how do I see my life down the road? Where do I want to be? Vision sets that course. Thirdly, our eyes determine our spirit. Eyes will set a spiritual disposition. And this goes back to what Jesus says. That the eye is a lamp. And that lamp or that light will either produce righteousness or sin depending on what type of light it is. So all of this sets a foundation because in our passage, our story points out something very profound, that Saul's eye became bad and it began to affect every arena of life. Verse 9, and Saul eyed David from that day on. Think about what surrounds this story in Saul's life. What surrounds him eyeing David? You see victory over Goliath. Think about that. For 40 days, the enemy is coming against God's people. An enemy is speaking against God, slandering, blaspheming, cursing God's people, challenging God's people. And for 40 days, they are at a standstill. But a shepherd boy comes to that battlefield. A teenager comes to that battlefield. A young person steps onto this battlefield and says, who is he and who does he think he is talking about our God that way? Talking about our people that way. He had a different perspective. His vision was different. His spirit was different. And in that, David conquers Goliath. So there's victory. There's the bond of Jonathan, Saul's son, with David. There's the love of the army and the people congregating behind these victories. The praise of the people. The anointing of God on their lives. But in all of these victories, because of a bad eye, Saul saw it different. Saul sees him a threat. Saul sees him coming to take what rightfully would belong to him. Saul sees through a lens of jealousy and envy and hatred. This tells us tonight that the eye and its health is vital to your salvation. You know, we live in a generation where a majority of our life has become centered around a screen. This is a tool, right? We have our apps for our coffee. We have our apps for our groceries. We have our apps for our children's extracurricular events and activities. We have apps for our schools. We have apps for our college. We have apps for a ton. I mean, where our eyes are here. This is a tool. But how much of this tool is not a tool? How much of this tool 
is taking your attention, is creating appetites, how much of this tool is consuming, distracting, The eye is vital to your survival. The eye is vital to your marriage. The eye is vital to your relationships, to your ministry, to your emotions, to your righteousness. If you get nothing else in the next few minutes, guard your eyes. Let's talk secondly about the effects of a bad eye. Saul's bad eyes produced negative results. Number one, let's look at these. We see it in our text. Number one, a bad eye changed his view of himself. Verse eight, and Saul was very angry and this saying displeased him. He said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands and to me... They have ascribed thousands. And what more can he have but the kingdom? In seeing things incorrectly from this lens uh, of envy and jealousy, this made Saul very insecure. He began to see himself in comparison to David. I am less than I am threatened by, I am a victim of his success. What more can he have but the kingdom? And sometimes in life, you know, we build kingdoms in life. We build kingdoms in ministry. Someone starts to rise up and now your kingdom is threatened. Right, but this is a changed view of self. This is a changed view of you're looking and comparing and this bad eye begins to cause damage on how you are viewing self. Secondly, it changed his view of people. Verse nine, and Saul eyed David from that day on. Not only does it change the view of self, now how he sees other people, and in this case specifically, how he sees David, you're a threat. You're against me. You want to harm me. You want to turn everyone against me. When really, think about, David has served his king. Served him on the battlefield. Served him before the battlefield in song. The Bible says when Saul was distressed, David would come and minister music to him. He had a gifting and an anointing. He has served the kingdom. He has served the people of God. But this is what happens when your eye goes bad. It changes your view of people. There's some people in this place, in your mind, your spouse you, see, you view your spouse as your problem. You view fellow disciples as the problem. You view people you're serving in ministry with as the problem. 
You view your pastor as the problem. Others, there's a bad eye, and you view God as the problem. Here, it changed his view of people. Thirdly, a bad eye will change your spirit. Verse 10 says, The next day a harmful spirit from God rushed upon Saul, and he raved within his house. Think about this. The eye goes bad, and it changes his spirit. You will open yourself to demonic influence, the spirit of his disposition, his spirit towards life, people, his own family, towards God. It changes. What changed it? A bad eye. See, when you do not judge what you're allowing in through the gateway, What are you really allowing in? Rebellion? Manipulation? Hatred? Rage? Perversion? These things, it, it, it will change your spirit. Fourthly, we see it changed his actions. Verse 11, And Saul hurled the spear... For he thought, I will pin David to the wall. Man, think about this. A fellow citizen of his kingdom, the one who conquered Goliath on his behalf, the one who ministered to him, was a blessing to him when he was distressed. And now I'm going to pin you to the wall. See, how you think... And what you believe will begin to determine how you behave. Proverbs 23 and verse 7, For as he thinks in his heart, so he is. I remember Pastor Wayman Mitchell saying years ago, every battle you'll face in salvation will begin in the mind. There are things that hell assaults our mind. Hell will throw fiery darts. Hell will find an access point. And how you think will begin to determine how you behave. And you will act on your thoughts. And you'll start responding according to your thoughts. This changed his action for he thought and then he did. Lastly, it changes his ministry. Verse 12, Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, but had departed from Saul. A bad eye, here he lost God's spirit. He lost God's anointing. He lost God's favor. Because his eye became unhealthy. Think about this. 
towards one person. Think about the weight of that. One person. We're not talking he's mad at the world. We're not talking all these people that have offended him. All these people that have hurt him or violated him in some way. We're not talking about some, some type of, uh, uh, you know, uh, this assault against his life. One person. He was afraid of David. And one person changed his entire destiny. That is the gravity. That is the consequences when we don't guard our eyes. This is when we allow our eye to remain bad. So let's close. Let's talk about healing the eye. We know our story tonight if you were to continue reading and finish the life of Saul and the record. He does not recover from this. So we're not going to bow our heads right there. (laughs) Israel's first king dies in tragedy. So how can we heal? How can we heal a bad eye? How do we fix this? Number one, Pastor Greg has repeated two disciples wanting to get in ministry, but this actually applies to life, is you need to deal with your rejection. Often a bad eye is rooted in a lens of rejection. Where does this start? When does Saul really start acting on this? When does he eye David when he felt rejected? They have given David ten thousands. And they've given me, they've rejected me. You have to deal with that. Some, maybe it was your parents that had rejected you. Maybe in some point in life, it was an authority that rejected you. Friends, at some point, rejected you. A relationship ended tragically in rejection in some way. People rejected you, and it's there. And in life, at different times, you go back to that pain. Different circumstances, you don't, it's difficult to process it well because it's like this emotional sunburn. You ever had sunburn and someone comes up, hey, how are you? It's like all these non-Christian thoughts start happening. (laughs) And they don't know, right? It's not like, you know, uh, they can see it. Sometimes it's just, oh my goodness, I'm sorry, but it's there. You can't see it, but it's there. Sometimes that happens in life. Things happen that touch an emotional sunburn. A rejection from the past. And it it hurts and you respond the same way over and over again. So you got to fix that. How do you fix that? Part of dealing with your rejection involves a revelation of your identity in Jesus Christ. You got to know who you are to God. And that has to, when I say it has to be a revelation, it's more than just a pep talk. 
It's more than just kind words. It's, it, it, it has to go from your head to your heart. Psalms 27.10, Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. People might reject you in life. Even the closest to you might reject you in life. But God will not. God has received you. Jesus came for you. God in human form. Think about this. He bled for you. He died for you. He put and put on display how valuable you are. You were worth dying for, suffering for. That is a revelation. God, heal my rejection and give me a revelation of who I am to you. That's part one of healing. Step two of healing a bad eye is repentance. You've got to repent. For some, it's bitterness. It's bitterness. Hebrews 12, 15, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it, you become defiled. Think about that. Sometimes we don't realize how much our bitterness, and we won't say it, you know, nobody, I've, I've never met someone that says, you know what, I'm just so bitter. You kind of see it, but they don't, you know. But you got you to gotta deal with that bitterness because it will take a root in you and defile you. It will cause you to see things incorrectly. It will cause you to hold on to things. Because people, years have gone by. People have moved along. Sometimes people have died. It's like they're not even alive anymore, but you're holding on to it. Repent of bitterness. It's vital you deal with that. And our text there, Hebrews, says to forgive, have grace, show mercy. Secondly, in that, pray for enemies. It's even in the Bible, I promise. We're going to read it right now. Matthew 5, 45. Matthew 5, 44, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. You know, that's not so much for them. That's for you. Yeah, but you don't, that's for you. That's for your heart. That's to protect your eyes. That's to protect your future. It's going to help you. Then thirdly is rejoice in rejoicing. Romans 12, 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Again, the context of our story, they've defeated the Philistines. Goliath has fallen. People are excited. People were Happy, They've been delivered from an enemy, from an oppressor. They are shouting with joy. It's celebration and spontaneous. It's like, it's like our song tonight, man. They're excited. Some people, <laughs> I don't know why they're so excited up there. <laughs> because we can rejoice in rejoicing. Jesus is alive. We're saved. We're forgiven. 
We're on our way to heaven. God has delivered. God has set free. God is healing. God is delivering. But Saul was upset. Saul was mad at the song. That's a deadly life approach. We see later, Saul's daughter winds up marrying David, but at some point here, the ark, God's presence had been taken. But David later, as king, brings back the ark, and there is rejoicing, and there is celebration, and there is joy. But McCall, McCall was upset and became barren for the rest of our life. This is a deadly life approach. We must learn to rejoice in rejoicing. Rejoice when someone's blessed. Rejoice when people get saved, whether it's your outreach or not. Rejoice when that disciple goes into ministry. Rejoice in what God is doing. You might not be the focus. That's okay. It's not just about you. But that's difficult for people. But this is what hinders healing. So how do we rejoice in rejoicing? Gratitude. Gratitude is the key to this. God, yeah, this is happening, that's happening. That might not have been great. That might not have worked out perfect. But God... I am thankful. I'm thankful for what you are doing. I'm thankful for what you are working in. And that's a focus. Gratitude is a decision. Try it sometime. Try to be mad and grateful at the same time. Let me know how that works. It's impossible. You know, Pastor Greg did an entire series on the Gratitude Diaries. Used the book by Janice Kaplan. I'll tell you, for me personally, that was a life-changing read. I never realized, I thought I was grateful, but I didn't realize how ungrateful I was. And I'm telling you, gratitude will alter your perspective. Gratitude will alter how you view, how you process, change your spirit. I close with this. In 2021, an Israeli man, he regained his sight after 10 years of blindness. And this happened following the first artificial cornea implant that was developed by an Israeli medical tech company. Doctors said after a, a decade of blindness, the patient was immediately able to see family members and even read text immediately after the bandages were removed. Think about this, blind for 10 years and a surgery can see immediately. This altar's prepared for a cornea transplant spiritually. For you to come and say, God, fix my vision. Fix my eyes. Fix how I'm viewing people. Fix how I'm viewing ministry. Fix how I'm viewing new converts. Fix how I'm viewing my spouse. Fix how I'm viewing whatever arena of life. God, heal my eyes. Let's have every head bowed.